Welcome to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. It must be Wednesday, Eastern Time, 7 p.m. My name is Jack Mancini, and I'm a partner with uh, the guy sitting across from me. I don't, I don't recognize him since he's always standing, but his name's Adam Sunhalter. <laughs> and the two of us are, are partners in a coaching, a business coaching company called Maximum Value Partners. And we've been doing this together for about, I don't know, Adam, 15, 16 years at least. We should get an honest count one of these days so we can lay it out there that way. But uh, what we do, we coach small businesses, and we define a small business as in any industry from 1 to 25 employees. And if they hit those marks, they're a good target for us, and we can help them. And as I said, we've been doing this a long time. And I've been doing this a long time. And Adam's been doing this a long time. I've owned and operated 16 companies. Started them, sold them, fixed them up, audited them, done a lot of stuff to them. And the reason I'm talking about that is tonight my astute partner, Adam, is going to interview me (laughs) with the very first company that I bought. And we should have some fun with it because we usually try to do that. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Adam. Evening, Jack. Good evening, folks. Glad you're here with us again on Dirty Secrets of Small Business. If it's your first time here, welcome. We're glad to have you. If you're a loyal listener, uh, welcome back. We think you're really going to enjoy the show tonight. And yes, I'm sitting tonight because I'm feeling a fireside chat with my partner, Jack, here to talk about how did Jack buy his first company? Now, we've talked about, for those of you who've listened to the show over the years here, we've talked about bits and pieces of this over the years. Those of you who know us off the air have heard bits and pieces of the story. But tonight we're going to hear the full story. Or as the great great Paul Harvey used to say, Jack, the rest of the story. All right? That's going to be coming up here in terms of what what, what we're going to get into some of the details. It's a very, very good story. And for the folks who are out there who are thinking about you know, and this is a good time of year for this, or, or maybe thinking about going into 2019 and thinking, hey, this is going to be the year where I'm going to leave that corporate job. I'm, I'm going to get my own company. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it this year, Jack. I'm really going to do it this year. So, you know, Jack's story will be able to touch on, you know, that mentality, kind of where you are and how to go about actually trying to do some of these things. And a uh, very, very interesting story to talk about. So uh, if you want to be part of the show, you're always welcome to. We, we share that with you all, every time. We have a phone number that you can do a couple things. One is you can call in here at 440-946-9468. And you got to be nice. We've got a new guy behind the board tonight, Scott. So if you, if, uh, you guys call in, you'll talk to Scott. That's 440-946-9468. You can also use that number to text us. 440-946-9468. So if you have questions, thoughts, comments on what, on what we're talking about here tonight, we, we, we would love to hear from you. Yeah, we'd love to hear either pro or con. Makes no difference. That's right. So with no further ado, Jack, let's get into the discussion here. And I think a good place to start is at the beginning. which Always, is, always. So why don't you, why don't you give, give our audience a little bit of a background in terms of how did you kind of come to the point where you started to look for a company? So, you know, just give a, a very brief background of, you know, your, your, your 18 or 20 years of corporate America. But, you know, how did you get to that point where, hey, the idea of buying a company even kind of became something that you were thinking about before you, before you did it? Well, everyone who, who tells a story like this basically gives these reasons as to how you you came to uh, do what you do or do what you did and quite frankly a lot of times you just don't know you just do it so I had a corporate background what does that mean I graduated college and started with a big company we're we're here in Cleveland and and uh, 
started started doing internal auditing with a very large company. Actually, it was in Euclid, a dressograph moldograph. It's not there anymore. Somebody took it. It was a million square a, foot production took, company. Ran away with it or what? That's a I bit, don't know. <laughs> I, I went over there to look at it a couple of years ago, and it wasn't there anymore. So, <laughs> just a just a fond memory, Jack. It's good. That's right. That's a company that that uh, made computer or didn't make computers, made office equipment, systemized office equipment before computers were were mainstream, and. Uh, I audited that company, basically, I, along with probably about another 10 or 12 auditors. They had uh, locations in every city, multiple in every state, and the bigger the city, the bigger the operation. And we'd go around and we'd audit those in a predetermined process, and it was fun. Uh, I was right out of college. I basically uh, was single, not basically, I was, and the basically <laughs> wasn't right. there anymore, right? right? Right. So I traveled around the country a lot, and it was good. I was there for about three years and finally figured out I probably should do something a little more meaningful. And one of our guys, one of the auditors, had moved on to Glidden, Glidden Paints, Turkey Foods, SCM Corporation, big, pretty giant conglomerate. So just a quick uh, quick uh, interjection here. I want our audience to keep in mind, a dressograph, multigraph will come back in this story. It's a, it's an important thing, so okay. we'll come back to it. But go That's ahead. Right. So, so I went from a dressograph, multigraph, we're on to Glidden now. So Glidden was uh, a larger... Um, I'll call it more sophisticated in the sense of uh, audit programs and intensity and variety. You know, the, the, the types of products we did or, or audited were, you know, major spices imported from foreign countries, uh, Proctor Silex made office uh, and, and household equipment. Glidden made the paints and the oils, and I can go on and on because there are just so many diverse products. And uh, so I left Addressograph to go there. And once I was there, uh, after about a year or so, I was promoted to uh, a supervisor, and I had seven auditors reporting to me. And basically, we went up and down the coast uh, auditing all those, at East Coast primarily, auditing all those locations that I talked to you about, even the early days of Walmart and Wolco department stores and how they fit into bigger department stores. A lot of, lot of good evolution in my time. So I, I was with Glidden for, for several years, and we had our, I have two sons, and we had our youngest son, or our, excuse me, our oldest son. We, had our, we couldn't get our youngest son first, could we, Adam? We had to have, yeah, we had to have trick, him Jack. second. <laughs> <laughs> so we had our, our oldest son, and we wanted, my, my wife was pregnant with the second son, and we wanted to get back to Cleveland. And as fate would have it, basically Congress in their divine wisdom passed what's known as the, the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, meaning that every publicly traded company in the United States or any company that really did substantial Wall Street trading uh, had to have an audit committee on the board, and they also had to have an internal audit function in the company. So here I am, fat, dumb, and happy, wanting to get back to Cleveland, and all of a sudden I'm a hot commodity because of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. And they, they being uh, a company called Faro, 
which uh, was also a substantial company and headquartered here in Cleveland, a big specialty company in chemicals that uh, were produced worldwide. They had probably after our, their profits and sales come from overseas subsidiaries. So I was recruited to join them, and I did. And the first year of my existence with Farrell was spent at Pete Marwick, which was a uh, very large international public accounting firm. And they kind of exposed me to foreign currency translations and customs of doing business in foreign countries, that kind of stuff. And that was all a prelude to me traveling overseas and setting up the audit function both domestically and, and foreign. And so I did that, would go on audit trips for three months out of the year, and it was it was fun, and it was educational. Wait, and so you said audit and fun in the same sentence, Jack. I don't know, most most people would, would see that, but I think what you were seeing in terms of business standpoint, that's the fun part. You're having all the different insides. When you're auditing somebody, it's like a proctological examination. For those of you who are not familiar with audits, I mean, most people do not like to see an auditor come in here. That's right. right? I used to relish that. <laughs> okay, that's why you're having fun. Okay. That's right. See how the two goes? <laughs> I know. That's exactly right. I got right. it. Okay. You walk in and people would all of a sudden change their demeanor and look, and God, everything would would change. And uh, but anyway, I traveled quite a bit with Faro Corp, and to run with the big dogs at Faro, you had to live overseas, and the big dogs being the, the as they call them the sea level executives today. That's that fancy pants word. That's right, that Jack. Sea level. I used to have ties. I used to wear ties too. Adam, <laughs> if you can believe that. <laughs> I believe it. But, uh, yes, the the uh, the fun and the travel were okay by me. My wife raising two kids uh, wasn't always okay by her, but nonetheless, I prevailed. And uh, we came to an agreement as to how that would work. But to run with the big dogs, and I was highly visible there, you know, reporting to the board, pretty fancy position. I was very young. And didn't know quite often a lot of times what I was doing, but stumbled into it. That was that's always a good learning curve. And uh, anyway, they asked me after several years of doing this audit to move to France as a chief administrative officer of a three manufacturing type operation throughout the, the French country. And uh, basically. We got excited. My wife and I got very excited. And from the standpoint of, of uh, from, from the standpoint of, of getting ready to move, we had a relocation company we were talking to. We were literally going to pack up and move. We would have been in France for three years. And after that, if all went well, we would have moved to Brazil for a number of years. So all told, we probably would have been out of the country for five years. And that's, that was exciting to us. A lot of people, that's, that's crazy to them, but to us it was exciting. And along the way, while we're getting ready, I had this pesky recruiter <laughs> tugging my sleeve, asking me if I would please talk to the executives at Brush Wellman, which is now called Materion. And Brush is a Cleveland-based company listed on the New York Stock Exchange. It's listed under Materion now, not Brush. But I never heard of Brush Wellman. And those were the days where you 
you had to uh, go down to the library to look up, get an annual report and look up the company. You couldn't Google it and get all this information. It took you half a day to get the information on the company. I did I did go down and look them up. It, to me, was uh, kind of a tired company. I, I wasn't really interested. We were excited to go to France. And I, I looked it up, and this recruiter called me and said, what do you think, Jack? You know, can I get you to go interview there? And I said, no, you can't. And I said, I'm not interested. He said, I would really, I think it might really be something. Anyway, long and short of it. He was doing, I, a, good I learned job. Some good, doing a good sales job. That's he did. That's a, he did a very job, good right? sales job. And he... Uh, he talked me into going down for an interview, and I did. And I went and talked to the top five executives all together. And it was one of the most boring group of guys <laughs> I ever saw in my life. And on that note... Bunch of old, tired men, right? And so, okay, so we're up against our first break here, Jack. So and we're, we'll get to the to the story of how we got to the company here probably in the next segment you know, as you make your next step from Ferro Corporation over to Materion. And some of the background that you're given here is very helpful as, as you'll spot the opportunity for this first acquisition for, the, for this first company that you bought. We'll come back and touch on these things as we get, get to the rest of the story. So stay tuned for that. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini. And we're talking about acquisitions of small businesses. That's right. Stick around. we got more dirty secrets coming your way here on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, WINTradio.com. All right, we're back at it. Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter, and, and I'm, I, oh, I'm oh, here with oh, my partner, oh, Jack. Oh, 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 Jack. I'm Jack Mancini. I'm we're, Jack we're, Mancini. And we're having Jack share a story about how Jack bought his first company. And in our opening segment, he gave a brief background of his career up till the point where he's getting ready, where he had this pesky recruiter calling him to try to bring him over to what used to be called Brush Volman's, now called Materion. So eventually this this great recruiter convinced you to show up, Jack. So what happened when you, when you showed up to Materion? For the interview. Five top executives, all very boring. So <laughs> I couldn't wait to get out of there fast enough. Okay. And I did, and I went home that night, and I told my wife, hey, we're, we're blown ahead to go to France, and that was one of the most unexciting companies I ever saw in my life. <laughs> Just about then, the recruiter called again and said, what did you do? And I said, what do you mean? He said... They love you, Jack. I said, you got to be kidding me. I said, <laughs> so I, they're in love, and you're, you're, you're you, you couldn't, yeah, it couldn't be further away. That's right. All right. So anyway, the uh, what the, the pesky recruiter the, do? He's pesky. Long, I know this he guy. Kept, he kept pestering me. He said, <laughs> what would it take for you to go there? And I gave him an offer that I would take after a little poking back and forth. So you got the question everyone wants to know, right? That's Give right. me that offer you can't refuse. Is that what it is? He All said, right. is that? He said, that's an outlandish offer. I said, well, you <laughs> asked me what I wanted, and that's what it would take. Okay. So, okay, we left on that note. Next night, he, he called again and said, they'd like to talk to you again. <laughs> you didn't Holy ask for crap. enough. You didn't so, ask for enough, Jack. I know. You know, you <laughs> left it on was. the table. It was an okay. offer. I could, it was a beautiful <laughs> offer. So I came into the company as a corporate officer with the proviso that I set up the audit function and get into operations, and they let me. They they kept their word, and I kept mine. Okay. And after I started with them, I really liked these five old guys. And, they kind of uh, the grew on you, huh? Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I uh, they, they kept their word, and I set up the audit function and moved over to uh, 
a pretty large subsidiary, several hundred million in, in revenues. It's a manufacturing company owned by uh, Brush Woman at the time. And basically, I went there as VP controller and got more responsibilities added. And again, the long and the short of it is I was there for five years and very heavily involved in in being the architect of a lot of the cutbacks that we had to do and maintain profitability. And it was it was a great experience to consolidate all my work. And they asked me to go to Canada as president of our Canadian subsidiary. And here I was at age 30, how old was I? 39, somewhere right in that range. And I decided I didn't want to go for no reasons other than I didn't want to go. <laughs> and I liked the company. They liked me. It was it was good. I did well there. I was compensated well. All the perks that come with a corporate officer's job was was there. It was great. So you left. So here, so here you are. You, here I left with nothing other than yeah, but you, an you, attitude. Every position you had, you, you you did very well. You left on your own uh, you know, reconnaissance to go do do whatever you wanted each time, and we're doing very very well. And all of a sudden, you keep getting offered promotions, and then at some point you say, "No, nah, I'm good. In fact, I'm going to take off." That's that's and, where people ask. Yeah. They ask, oh, "How come?" <laughs> I, you know, I don't know because I, I could do it. One of one of those deals and. And uh, I took a year off of one of those, you know, I had job offers during that time. And one of the people that I met was or got reacquainted with was was a guy I went to business school with. And he and I ended up going out and having too much to drink. We kind of relived the last. That's what you're doing with your year off. All right. That's good. Everybody's liking this so far. So take a year off. And drink. Go get go get drunk with some old <laughs> friends. Okay, we're doing this is good. This is a good sell, Jack. Okay, you know, keep going. it was it was really good. But we uh, we had too much to drink, and it was like the next morning. Jim, did we decide to go into business? And he said, "Hell yes, we're going to broker natural gas." So we formed a company, and we basically bought contracts, resold them. Uh, gas uh, utilities were were just being deregulated by the government then, and so that's a good next morning, Jack. I'm sure some of our listening audience had some of those drunk nights and woke up the next morning next to somebody going, "What did I do?" And you're thinking, "Okay, what what, what did we agree to? Oh, we we just agreed to start a company together. Oh, that's pretty that's pretty safe and innocuous, right? No big that deal. Is. That is that. Uh, All right, so you started. So, so started we, we, from we started okay. calling on little companies, small businesses. And the manufacturing base in Cleveland was a lot higher than a lot of them have either shut doors or been consolidated since that time. But I was, uh, you know, I'd go in and I fell in love with with these small business owners. Uh, I come from a blue-collar family, and I wasn't working with blue-collar families. I was working with fancy pants people, you know. (laughs) The suits and ties, uh, Suits and ties, and and, uh, so, but I like these people. And we could help them with, you know, lowering some of their utility bills, and they loved us for that, and they opened up to us. And they're complaining during these periods about banks in town or law firms in town, how they're after them, chasing them for money that's owed for an expansion, maybe a million-dollar piece of equipment they bought a few years ago, and they can't service the debt now. So I'd say, look, Adam, you can't talk to these banks and lawyers like this. They're going to put you out of business. I know some people at National City Bank at the time or whoever it might be. Uh, let me intervene on your behalf, and let's see what we can do. Okay. So I did, and we'd work their problems out, and Adam would calm down. And 
things would move pretty well. So it's a separate. So you had been doing the, the brokering of natural gas for one thing. Also, now you're leading. Here you are consulting some folks, too. Totally That's separate, right. but related because you, you got leads through the people you're helping save money for them, right? That's correct. All right. So now here you are, big corporate guy. Now you're dealing with, instead of suits and ties, you're dealing with blue jeans and ball caps and, and, and pickup Whatever truck guys, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay, so but you're and I love the real, yeah, the real, real, the real people that we absolutely love, the small business owner. And Here my, they are. My partner, my partner wanted to keep doing the gas, and he did. We broke, you know, uh, we broke up, and it was good. Uh, you know, we we had a good relationship. And here I'm not marketing myself, but I'm getting calls. I'm getting contacted to join a couple of these small business boards of directors okay. to uh, help people out. And, you know, it was it was not even an organized effort. And I had a nice burgeoning growing business here. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I'm also running with a different crowd now. Not the fancy pants, suits and ties guy. Right. Guys, uh, plural, but guys with baseball caps pulled down over their head and dirty jeans on, maybe whatever. And you know, guys you see at the end of a bar drinking a Bud Light, these are the guys I'm running with and liking. And many of these guys, most of them own small businesses and they were doing very well with them. So they're they a big fan of yours, right? You're, they're happy you're helping people out and everything, Jack. They were welcoming you in with open arms, right? Oh, All right. A lot of, <laughs> lot of jocularity, busting, busting ass if ever. Saying, look at Big Shot Consultant, Big Shot, uh, you know, Vice President of the public company. Why don't you see what it's like to buy a company? So you were, you were still an outsider to them. They couldn't, they, they still saw I you as that. Even, though, even though you stopped wearing your suits and ties, Jack. They were still seeing you as that suit and tie guy, right? Is that what it was? That's right. All right, I, so it wasn't one of them. So what did they do? What did they say to you? They they said, "What what do you what do you uh, what do you think?" I said, "Well, you know, not I." I said, well, what, "Why don't you see what it's like to get a company and and run a small business? <laughs> You're giving out all this advice, and you never had to live with the consequences." So here you are on the outside, seeing all the things, but you've never been the guy in the seat, huh? That's correct. So so what do you do? So do you well, you you, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of a. Uh, competitive guy so i quietly had to take up the challenge okay so you took up the challenge let me let me pause real quick for our listening audience so for those of you who are out at your at your annual holiday parties and everything else and you've been talking for years to your friends about this whole idea that you want to go get a company at some point they're gonna say hey why don't you just do it and that's a version of what happened to jack he's been you know been out started his own company in order to, to, to broker natural gas started consulting and was having a good time and doing well, and because he was doing well, that word traveled pretty quickly. Now, some of the other guys are, eh, hey, you know what? Hey, smart guy, let's see what it's like when you're the guy in the seat instead of the guy outside advising. So so what do you do? So you took the challenge. What's, so taking the challenge meaning what? All of a sudden you're going to... We're going to go out and buy a company. Go buy a company. Okay. Yeah. Now, did you have any idea what that meant at that point in terms Nothing. of how had, to go about doing it? I had no idea. Okay. Just like I had no idea why I left the big okay. corporate world. But I knew I could do it, and I knew I was employable, so... What the heck? And I had that good compensation package when I left. And so I had the, the time and the luxury, and I was fortunate. There's no question. Everyone should be that lucky. Okay. So how so did I you took the challenge. Yeah, so you took the challenge. And so let's talk about it. And we'll start here. we got a couple minutes for our next break. I want to kind of start. So you didn't know anything. So how do you, how do you, how'd you start when you don't know where to start? What'd you do? Well, I did know something because you couldn't ask those guys <laughs> for help because those guys are going to bust your butt some more, right? So That's they were right. going to help you. So they didn't you, need me. All right. Yeah. So what did you learn during your process? Well, basically, uh, I learned a lot in my big corporate auditing stuff that I could apply to this, okay. especially the numbers. You know, you can 
as coaches, we get involved with these, with the financial statements, and most small business owners don't understand those. But they're very powerful if you can get them. And I'll tell you a story in a minute how, how <laughs> I bought this first company without any financials. But basically, I, I laid out a little plan for myself. Where in the world do you find small businesses? Well, you can talk to brokers. You can talk to a lot of suits and ties, which I did. I had a lot of people that were involved with small businesses, including owners, who I worked up a list and started talking to and asking them, you know, what it's like, just kind of an interviewing process. And from that, I concluded that the best way to learn is to go around two small businesses that are for sale, especially those that are for sale, and talk to the owner about buying buying his company. All right, let me let me stop you there as we're up against our break. So we're you know brokers, other ways, but you're you're gonna get into what I think you're gonna say is some turning over some rocks is what is what it sounds like yeah, you're going right. Okay, you so you couldn't say it when you, when you when we come back and break, we're gonna talk about how how do you go find those rocks to start turning over, and then what does it start to look like, and they'll start to kind of come together in terms of how the experience that Jack had to this point. All of a sudden, things became very easy to see without even knowing until he got in there for the first time. So stay tuned to hear that. I'm Adam Son. And I'm Jack Mancini. We're turning over rocks tonight. That's right. We got stay tuned. We got more dirty secrets coming your way here on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, WINTRadio.com. Welcome back. We're back here on Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I appreciate you being here. I'm your co-host, Adam Sonhalter, and I'm here interviewing my co-host and business partner, Jack Mancini, who's talking about how he bought his first company. And if you have questions or you want to participate, you can call us at 440-946-9468. And if you behave nicely and treat Scott nicely, he might actually let you on the show and ask some questions. Or you can also use that number to text. So, again, it's 440 440- Nine four six nine four six eight again four four zero nine four six nine four six eight to either call or text into the show. So when we last left you at break, we were talking about this idea of to kind of turn over rocks. Jack had gotten a written down plan because he got challenged by some of these owners to say, "Hey, why don't you get your own company?" Talk about some brokers and the plan written down. But we start talking about turning over rocks. So where do you figure out how to go find the rocks to turn over, Jack? And how many rocks does it take to turn over before you start to find this first company? So give us a little background on how that came to be lots of rocks you gotta you gotta go with lots of rocks. lots of rocks all right so you That's a big you, number. you just sit down and again where are the small businesses where, where are they and who's trying to sell them who's trying to get rid of them so, this is, and this is pre-internet days, folks. Okay, so this is probably that's right. That's a big deal. Twenty-five, thirty years ago, and so it's again. This was we didn't have bizbysell.com and all the different things that are online today. So right, you'd go to the the actual paper edition of the the local paper, the Plain Dealer. Okay, and you would look in the business opportunity section, which you can still do. It's online, pretty much. I don't think they even print it anymore. They but, do a little uh, bit, yeah, on the weekend, Sunday they do, but yeah. But you uh, you have this listing of companies for sale, and there are a mismatch of stuff. You know, bars and restaurants and little machine shops and grind shops and uh, just a variety of com- bicycle fixing shops. You name them. And one thing that that evolved in this process, and this process was really to get a listing and make sure that I called, in my case, five of these a week. Okay. All right. And I had to do five. It was my own standard. I had to do at least five a week. So I'd be calling bars and 
uh, say, could I come down and look at, at what you're selling? And every every time I went to an op- a company, this is, these are all small businesses. Every time I went, I learned something. And what I ultimately learned the most was that many of these businesses that were for sale, the owner really had no idea how to do this, how to negotiate, and rightfully so. This is probably something he, he or she has owned for 20, 30 years, and things didn't work out, so now here they are selling the business. And so I continued to look every opportunity I could at a business, and look meant go go to that business, talk to the owner, try to get a financial uh, set of statements, try to get what's known as a package which would show and talk about the market, all the big corporate stuff. Right. Well, I so to say, the fancy pants word for that is he was trying to do his due diligence, going to ask some questions, and so you engage the owner. And I think, let me just pause for a second, here, Jack, because you know, uh, uh, folks who are listening who haven't done this yet. That, that that intimidation factor of okay, all of a sudden I'm going to pick up a phone, and I'm going to call this owner who who's who's selling their business. I don't even know what to say to him. So your your, your point is, hey, and just something that we, we talk to folks about a lot, which is the idea of engaging. Go out there and just engage, and get in front of people and start you know go talk to them and get the discussions get the discussion started so you you had lots of these discussions lots of them lots and to, and so but there was one very interesting one where you, you saw a listing in the paper and you called and it happened to be a broker that was listing listing the company and you called the broker up and you know usually you've been doing this you know a number of times at this point so you figured yeah you know what questions to ask and they'll have the package ready and everything else but you called this broker and you had a different conversation what was that conversation like Jack? yeah this this broker when I called, I said, I'm interested, and I'll tell you the name of the company. It was Cleveland Armature. Okay. And uh, it was a little wind, or armature winding company over on Prospect Avenue in Cleveland. And I called, and the, the broker, he answered, and I said, hey, I'm interested in this company that's for sale, that's listed for sale. And he said, ah, oh, he said, that company's been pulled. He said, it should have been pulled from the paper, and they, they, didn't, they didn't take it out yet. He said that company's going to be foreclosed on by the Internal Revenue Service. Ooh, uh-oh. Yes. Now, if, if anybody's less popular, Jack, than an, an internal auditor, it's probably the IRS. It's close, but probably the IRS is, is, is probably less popular than internal auditors. <laughs> so these are these are your goombas. You know, these are friends of yours then. You're, That's right. You, you can understand where these guys come from. Okay, so the IRS is going to shut the place down. Okay. So so you said, okay, fine, and, and you walked away? or No, no, of course oh. not. I, I, had, I had to get my quota of five companies. I'm talking to people. <laughs> okay. I didn't know what an armature winder is. I still probably don't, but... Uh, <laughs> The point is, I said, well, I'd like to come over and, and see this company. So well, I just told you they're closing it. And I said, well, <laughs> let me come over and see <laughs> it. This is the guy who's trying. This guy is trying to sell the business, folks. Okay, and he's telling Jack, no, don't come see it, right? And Jack said, no, I want to come see it. <laughs> Finally, he said, okay, fine. You want to come? Come on over. It's going to be a waste of your time, but come on over. So this is a big lesson learned here for people who are looking for companies. Hey, first of all, put a list of criteria down for a company that's that's uh, so far-fetched and unrealistic it's never going to happen. Next, they find a ton of reasons not to do the due diligence rather than to do the, the due diligence. Because each company you go at and look at, I don't care if it's a bar, I don't care if it's a crummy bar, and you learn something. You learn about the world of the small business owner. You learn how to engage. Anyway... So I came back to, uh, I, I 
the broker finally agreed to come and let me see Cleveland Armature because they were still operating. They were, they were getting ready to close it down. So did, so did he send you the package ahead of time, or what, what happened? Yeah, the package was <laughs> monogrammed and beautiful. No, I, I went over to this place, and it was on the fourth floor. Walked in, dirty, crummy, dark place, you know, just depressing. So it's the kind of place that many of you listening would, you, you wouldn't even probably walk in the door. You'd see it like, you know. You'd, you'd absolutely, you'd what walk What a dump. Um, you know, you're right. They should shut it down. I'm going to walk away now and waste my time. What do I know about armatures? Right. You know, well, you don't have to know anything about armatures to succeed here. But all, but all of a sudden you're seeing an opportunity, Jack. How do you see opportunities in that kind of a mess? What'd you see? I, I saw the ability to organize this place to understand the marketplace one big key attractive point while i'm talking well first of all i walked in the place was dingy and dark i asked for a package and i got a a look like you know i asked for uh, a mating of lions or something and he gave me two pieces of paper that had some things scrawled on i couldn't read so handwritten pieces of paper stuff right i had nothing (laughs) And, and uh what was your question? No, so you, so you saw some, you, know, you saw through all this, you saw opportunity through all this dirt and you know handwritten pages stuff. You saw something. Here's what, what I saw. There? Here's what I saw, and this one I can answer very clearly. All right. I saw seven employees. Okay. They were working. So I scratched my head, like, where in the world are they getting business in this place? And just as I'm thinking that, the UPS driver comes mm. in with five, six packages to drop off. Another five, six to pick up, and off he goes. So the UPS truck, as my older brother used to call it when we were kids, hey, the UPS truck is here. So the UPS, the, the UPS man shows up. That's there are people right. working. There, there's stuff going on. Right? It's, it, it's an ongoing, no why, matter how ugly or dirty is, there's business happening here. Right? No no records right. to see. I mean, the, the place okay. the place is just, it's, it's functioning. It's not shot dead yet. People are still doing stuff. Okay, so you say, hey, there's something else here. Okay. No. So now no. how do you... So, here's, so, so here's, now what? Here's yeah, yeah, it was a very helpful broker who's trying to shoo you out and get rid of you, <laughs> but yet you're hanging around. So I keep hanging around. I, I wanted to know more details when, when I saw the UPS guy. So how do you finally, get, how do you finally get rid of you? Who do you, who do you turn you over to? No, I... I oops. <laughs> I, I, turned, uh, I turned myself over to him. I said, look it. I said, I'd like you to, to call the IRS, and I'd like to talk to the agent. Okay, so he was saying, hey, this is basically out of my hands. The IRS is coming in here. They're going to be yeah, shutting this place down. Yeah, they're closing it down. Okay. And, and uh, so we, we set up an appointment. First, I talked to my attorney, beautiful guy. He's no longer with us, but he's a beautiful single-practice attorney guy. Right. I said, just keep me out of jail when I finally start making offers on companies. <laughs> okay. Good so guys. in my mind, I'm going to make an offer in this crummy company. I know nothing about armatures. I had no financials. I had nothing, but I saw business there. Okay. And my mind was thinking like this, because I remember it clearly. And Adam and I have counseled numerous people about buying companies for little or no money down, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm looking at this and saying, hey, you know, I can do something with this company. What if they gave me this company? Would I take ah, it? Ah, hold on. That's, that's the question right there, folks. That's the, that's the million-dollar question. What if they gave it to me? So looking at all the stuff that you saw, even how crummy and dirty it was and everything else, but you saw enough that you said, hey, if somebody gave this to me, I'd take a shot at it, right? That's right. Okay, could so I, I keep organize this forward? little company? Sure, I okay. could. All right. If they, if I had to pay big bucks for it, I probably wouldn't take it. I'd walk away from it. All right, so the IRS guy. So you call the IRS guy. What I happens? I call the IRS guy. I had no due dil- I did my due diligence, but I had nothing much to show for it. 
So I said, hey, I'd like to, I'm interested in buying Cleveland Armature. And he laughed. He, he laughed over the phone. <laughs> he's, he's checking the phone number. He's, it's a prank caller? What's That's going on? right. He <laughs> said, uh, who, who in the world would buy that place, you know? He said, we're going to shut it down. I said, I know. I said, I'd like to, you know, talk to you about perhaps buying it. So I went over, talked to him. He said, okay, come on. i got to meet this crazy guy. Come on over, over, Jack. The whole IRS office (laughs) came out to see who was the crazy guy. No, not really. That's right. There he is. They're pointing fingers. Here's the guy. All right, go ahead. So he showed up at the office. What what happens? So I sat down, and he said, I want to say again, he said, anyone who would buy this company would be saving the government money. Now, what a see now, how could you orchestrate going out to buy a company having the the seller or the agent of the seller say something like that? I mean, that sounds like they want to give it to you, right? I mean, That's basically right. saying, okay, all right. And I'm going to have an offer crafted to do the equivalent of that. I'm not going to offer big guarantees and big dollars. So I said, well, look, what if I offered you $2,000 for this company? <laughs> $2,000. And he laughed. And he said, as I said. Did you do that you with know, a straight face? He laughed. And I'm, I'm looking at <laughs> What the hell is he looking at? You know, what's he? He said, as I said, if you, you gave us money and took this off our hands, you'd be saving us money. So I said, so we got a deal? We got a deal. All right. So let me pause there again. Okay. So $2,000, folks. Now, I don't care what kind of situation you're in. But I, I, I got to believe almost everybody listening to this show, listening to this podcast, for two thousand, you can find two thousand dollars if somebody says that's all standing between you and your and your company you're going to buy. So two thousand bucks is pretty easy. So this excuse of hey, I don't have piles of cash to go do a deal or buy a company, what a bunch of BS, guys. Okay, so here's how it, here's how it happened. So the the, the agent said, sure, two thousand bucks, we got a deal. So, all right, Jack, we got about a minute, a minute and a half to go in this segment. I want to tee up and start with what day one, because day one is fantastic. So, day one, so you have a deal ready to go. They turn the keys over to you. Well, he, you know, I made the offer of two, and he accepted it, so we had a deal. So, Monday, the Monday after, I walked in and basically called my seven employees together, told them I just bought the company. And they looked at me kind of crazy, too. I was trying to give them an inspirational speech. They were unimpressed. And basically, I, I, uh, I said, okay, guys, you get, you get back to work, and I'm going to go in this office, which had papers piled all over the place, and see what we can do together here. You know, one of these kind of things. So, so you're, at this point, you're used to it because the, the broker thinks you're crazy, the IRS guy thinks you're crazy, and the employees think So you're just used to everybody thinking you're, you're absolutely nuts. Now, keep in mind, I bought and sold and started 16 companies. This, you know, is, the, this, this is the first one. This is the first one, right. So that's... I didn't know the, the hidden right. gems that are always involved in stuff like this. All right, so let me hold it off of there. So you gave them this great, this great speech, and they were – Wholly unimpressed, unimpressed, right? Okay, right. so now, okay, now we got it. We're, we're, they're wholly unimpressed. Now, what do we do? Well, you got to stay tuned after the break. We're going to get into what, what happened on day one and some fantastic surprises that happened on day one. You got to stay tuned to, to, to be able to hear. So, stay tuned for that. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini. We got more dirty secrets on our way here. So, stay tuned. Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 1015 FM, and online, WINTradio.com. Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter here with my co-host and business partner, Jack Mancini. And we're talking about how Jack bought his first company when we last left at, the, at break. He just negotiated a deal with the IRS for $2,000 to buy Cleveland Armature. And he just given this great, fantastic opening day speech to the team. And they were duly unimpressed, thinking, who's this crazy guy that knows nothing about armatures and just bought our company? 
So Jack goes wandering off into the office, and what happened in that mess of an office that you kind of went into? You look at it, and you just, you know, in my mind, that it wasn't wasn't daunting. Again, it was fun. I have a weird sense of fun. (laughs) Anyway, I sat down to start to rearrange these papers, see what we have, see what was missed. And I'm going through, and all of a sudden, here's this envelope. I open up this envelope, and there was $5,000 in cash. <laughs> Whoa. 5000 in cash? Cash. $100 bills. And you and you paid 2000 for this thing? I just paid 2000 and I got five. That's a pretty good return day one, Jack. Uh, the return gets better, though, Adam. <laughs> okay. So this prompted me to hurry up my, my exploration. <laughs> Fast, of dig the, faster. <laughs> and lo and behold, during the next couple of hours, there were two more envelopes with $5,000 in cash. Oh, so day one, a company I paid $2,000 for just returned 15000 in cash to me. But the story gets even better. Say, but wait, there's more. Let's come back to our uh, our opening segment. We talked about the first company Jack worked for out of college, for those of you who recall, Addressograph Multigraph. Right. So how does that impact Cleveland Armature, Jack? How- well, my, my organizing this office was a hurry-up case now since I obviously hit some gold, the gold veins. And as I uncovered some stuff, here's a, a system which was manufactured by a dressograph moldograph and used in this company. And it had mothballed, but like not mothballed for years, mothballed for maybe a year, nine months, you know, less than a year kind of thing. And it was a system I recognized because I worked in a dressograph moldograph and audited it for so long. And I was able to put together a ledger on this company, which basically showed accounts due Cleveland Armature. So some accounts receivable. Accounts Folks receivable. owed money to, that hadn't paid it yet. That's correct. Huh. And there was like somewhere, I'll say, just around south, a little south of $50,000. Okay, hold on. Let me do the math. So I got fifteen in cash. And I got about fifty thousand in, in receivables that are aged, but not the not not seriously aged. That's right. And you were able to collect most of those. I was able to collect a good amount of those. Okay, so for two thousand dollars, I got fifteen in cash plus close to fifteen receivables. So I got sixty-five back just to start with. With and the UPS, the UPS guy kept, kept coming, coming in, picking up and <laughs> dropping off, and the workers kept working. <clears throat> so I took the next. You know, I continued to do that for the next several months. My my, uh, uh, I cleaned the place up and put in good business practices and financials. Finally, was able to build some financial statements. It wasn't it wasn't such a big company where it was hard. And if you buy it right, you know you, <laughs> all you do is put your own experience at risk, and you're going to have fun. It's not really at risk. You could make the build the new dominoes if you wanted to, or. Whatever. It's, it's, oh, I don't want to walk into this company. And I would bet you that nine out of ten people who looked at Cleveland Armature would walk away. I'd, I'd say higher. I'd say well, the way you described it, Jack, I'd say probably 99 out of 100 of people would, 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 would be spooked by it. Because they, they just wouldn't see the opportunities there. They'd be seeing all the things that were that were wrong with it as opposed to what was potentially so right with it. And so. you, can, you can't see those opportunities unless you engage and turn over rocks. That's that's the key to this stuff. So you get out there. And so what happened? Let me, let me summarize real quick. So you had you, know, you had a couple decades of experience in corporate America, and you started then to, to get involved with small companies from your, your starting up of a company that 
that was brokering natural gas. You meet small business owners, and you start to realize that a lot of the basic business practices that, that you had been doing for years, you realize that that helped you see opportunities, and you could help people where a lot of those basic, again, what you, you thought were basic things, were not part of most small companies. So you started to do consulting for folks, and then you mentioned now Cleveland Armature. Same thing. A lot of the basic things that, that you know just are basic blocking and tackling a business were not there. So you went in, and over the first several months of owning it, you started putting some of those things in place. So you get you know, control over what's going on with inventory purchasing and different systems in place. You get a marketing plan pulled together. But all the things that, again, in your days as a corporate executive, this is just assume this is how people run a company. And you put those basics into place, and all of a sudden, what happened to Cleveland Armature? You, you, know, you, 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 know, you don't own it after, today. After a couple of years you know, of getting it fixed up like you just described, I sold it. I sold it to a competitor. For more than $2,000, I'm going to guess. Well, well, <laughs> well over 2000 bucks, okay. And it was, it, was, uh, it was a success by any measure. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> now, hold on. Let me, let me come back. So for those of you who recall, I think it may have been the end of the second segment, Jack talked about how this all started, where he was getting... Uh, he was getting pushed or cajoled or, or, or challenged by some of these other owners thinking, hey, this is, you know, it's a little different when you're in the seat. So what did you say to those guys after so you? So I went, I went back <laughs> to them and, hey, I'm going to buy you a round of drinks here. And what the <laughs> hell's so hard about running and owning a company? Cash comes up through the, through the floor <laughs> of the desks and uh, systems are blown the dust off of and they collect money for us. So... No big deal there, right? Right. <laughs> All right. So, so we're highlighting this story. We got we got a few minutes to go on our show here, and we we we, we want to highlight this story. This is a this is a fantastic story, and Jack tells it so well. And there's a lot of great details here. But this is, as he said, this is the first company he bought. He's bought five companies total. So, I'm guessing yeah, this is just very unique to Cleveland Armature, Jack. The other four companies you bought, there weren't any of these really positive surprises. This, this was that unique story, right? That's correct. And, and, and the rest of the stories were all very boring, and there were no positive surprises at all for the other companies. Nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> of course you know that they are. And the, 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 the next four companies were all in states of disarray and financial conditions that were going to push them into bankruptcy or other such things. Um, and I was able to buy these companies with no cash, no guarantees, and actually be given operating uh, funds to, to try to turn the company around. All right, and this so was done under the title of a secured sale. Yeah, secured party sale. Wait a minute. So the, the, the most, most you ever paid for a company you bought was the first one. You paid 2000 Everything else, you pay, everything else you paid zero out of your own pocket. That's right. With. So okay. the, the first one was the, the worst one from a cash out of pocket. <laughs> that, was, that was the most painful one, right, in terms of having to actually uh, actually. Now a lot of people don't believe this stuff, like it's makeup. All I can tell you is that it still works. We've, we've coached clients on how to buy companies with, with little their money down, and they've done it successfully. You just don't go out, get all gussied up, as that's an old word, and and uh, say, here's the kind of company I want, and go talk to your lawyer who will reinforce, well, that's okay, or your CPA. And this is, this is down and dirty, ground-scratching stuff. You're going to meet people. That's how you educate yourself, not with a fancy education. You know, I have a fancy education with an MBA, and it, it's been helpful. It was fancy after St. Ed's, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead. Wait a minute. Yeah. So, you know, the the answer to getting small businesses and buying them with little or no money down comes to self-educating yourself. If you have no money, if you have no experience, if you have no knowledge, chances are pretty good you aren't going to succeed. You have to have some of these. But what you have to do is alter your your 
perception of of and your ideas about what you want to do. If you just got laid off on a on a big job, you know, you're a corporate executor making 150 thousand plus some perks, and you aren't going back to the corporate world again. Yeah, we see these folks all the time. Well, what are you going to do? I'm going to try to buy a company. <laughs> so they take out this list. Not a list you're going to find in Cleveland Armature. They're going to take a list that they prepared. It's a fancy list. And they're going to go out looking. They're going to go talk to people who have never done this before. Get very well-intended, uh, very well-intentioned advice that leads to nowhere. So the list you had together, Jack, though, that your, your list was was list of activities, like five making five phone calls a week to go see companies. Very, very practical. Let's get down and execute stuff. And that's something that we talk to people about is turning over the rocks and engaging, right? Let me just try to bring some together. We got about three minutes to go here in our in our show, Jack. I think one thing that, that that really comes through is you didn't know why you wanted to leave the corporate world, but you just it felt right. I think a lot of people have that feeling. People may right. have been wrestling with the idea for years about getting their own thing, and maybe they they can't think of an idea to start. So the idea of maybe buying is kind of there. It's it's, it's been in there, right? So you weren't sure why, but you but, but you but you you decided to leave. You weren't. You probably had a sense that you were pretty good, but you didn't. You didn't know as it relates to the small company because your your work experience at that point had been more big companies. But once you started engaging with the small companies, I think you were surprised at how quickly, like you said, you could go in and hey, you were going in to sell them a service. You're you're here to broker some natural gas, but very quickly when they're asking questions, all of a sudden you're realizing, hey, I know, I know, I have answers for all this stuff, or I know how things should be, and this isn't the right way that 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 things should be. So it was, it, it was very easy to take that experience that you had. You mentioned, hey, if I don't have any money or experience or, or knowledge, okay, well, you had qu- quite a bit of knowledge and experience. That, that, that was the currency you were using. You had That's money, right. but you, you, know, right. you were using the money for that, right? So I think <clears throat> one of things we talk to people about, whether, they, yeah, whether they've been let go from something or they're thinking about going somewhere, you're never quite sure how good you are until you kind of get out there. And so I, I think, uh, I heard too, one of the things that, that was a, a very easy cushion for you is you knew you were very employable. And in fact, you had you had some, you mentioned you, you had some job interviews and offers during that during that period of time right after you left. And I think that's true for most folks we're talking to here. Your your likelihood is you're very employable. If you want to go back and get a job somewhere, you can. The question is, at what point do you make that jump? So for you, it was just shy of the age of 40. I think many folks get to that point. That's that, you know, that midlife crisis question people might ask. It's a great age for that stuff. So if you don't do it at that point, you can always find reasons not to do stuff. And you know, whether it be not to make that jump to do it or as you're looking at and turn over those rocks about not doing a deal, the key is looking for reasons to do stuff and how to do stuff. And we gave, I think we gave some good guidance tonight or some, some insights to it, and things we've shared over the years as part of the show, Jack. We've had a chance to kind of share and give them, give them a, uh, some insight in terms of what your story was. So I really thank you for, for, for sharing that with, with folks tonight. If you have more questions for us on that or any other topics, you're more than welcome to uh, talk to us. when we, We're here next week for Dirty Secrets of Small Business. We're here every Wednesday. Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. When we're not in the air, you can get us by email, radio at MaximumVP.com, or you can give us a call, 877-849-0670. In case you missed part of this show or any of your previous shows, you can listen anytime at your leisure. You can go to our site, uh, MaximumVP.com. There's a radio show tab there. All the archive shows are there. You can get it on iTunes, and when you do, uh, subscribe. Please leave a review. We'd love to have you have you do that. Hey, you can learn more Dirty Secrets of Small Business next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. Hey, thanks for listening on Integrity Radio, WINT. 1330 AM, 1015 FM, and online, wintradio.com. All right.